Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Indianapolis, AFC South, Stampede Blue, let's air it out, fly route, let's air it out, topics, loaded like offense, co-centric, talk about it often, Stampede Blue, let's air it out, fly route, let's air it out, do it big. Welcome back to another Stampede Blue Colts cast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Danley. Thank you guys for coming to the show. Uh, last night, we did a first-round recap. Uh, me and the boys here from Stampede Radio, Chris Blystone, Chris Shepard, and Jim Campbell, uh, are all with me tonight. We were all together last night. Chris hosted last night, but our audio sounded a little bit like a raccoon talking into uh, a microphone uh, in front of a trash can. It was not good. Uh, so we How didn't do you know what that sounds like. I that was the best, the best <laughs> I could do. Trying to go metaphorically well, for what it's well, you're looking for like podcast audio perfection. <laughs> yes, yes, you have to go and hear the worst of the worst to yeah, appreciate the best. Oh, yes, and we were terrible last night, or we were good, <laughs> we were all good last night. The uh, audio was just reprehensible though so and there was literally nothing we could do with it to make it sound um anything that you guys would want to hear so um basically we went through a little bit of everything in the first round uh our favorite picks who was still available at the time and so on and so forth none of that really holds a whole lot of weight right now uh on day two today we saw the second and third rounds the colts did pick both at 34 and uh they ended up picking at 41 moving up from 44 uh trading with the browns they also picked uh took their pick in the third round so we've got a little bit of that to talk about we've got some other good stuff to to discuss tonight too uh but Guys, was there any of you guys that wanted to touch on anything specific from what we did yesterday in the first round? Well, I feel like Shepard definitely needs an opportunity to speak his mind about something that was going to get buried in the archives because, uh, <laughs> you know, he he's he, he definitely had some strong feelings about uh, a particular pick that happened and and what led up to that. So, Shepard, you want to you want to hit that one a little bit? Okay, so that's the thing because because we didn't get to release what we recorded yesterday. Nobody's going to believe me when I say <laughs> I believe that. You. Well, I mean, thank you. You should because <laughs> you were here. We we'd been recording for more than thirty minutes when the that uh, the alert from NFL.com came out. Um, but basically, my theory was was that the the Green Bay Packers had traded up to number twenty six overall. Uh, to select Jordan Love because there were rumors before the draft that the Colts were talking with the Seahawks uh, to 
come to a, an agreement. If someone was there, they were going to move up to 27 uh, to take a, a specific player, whoever it was. Um, and so my theory was, was that the Packers jumped the Colts. And I also theorized that part of the reason we had the deal in place with Seattle was because Malik Hooker had been uh, put in, you know, his name had come up in trade rumors. Well, guess what? Malik Hooker fits Seattle's defense perfectly he, he uh, there's no better fit at free safety than malik hooker in their you know their physical man cover three that they run uh and so you know it, it just all that stuff i started thinking about all that stuff and then it came out that it kind of did and then it kind of didn't and maybe it did and maybe it was a smoke screen and um, ultimately it doesn't sound like the Colts were truly in play for Jordan Love at 27, but there was enough, uh, there was enough chatter around it that, you know, the, the Packers did feel the need to go up to 26, uh, and, and select Jordan Love rather than stay where they were because none of the teams directly in front of them were going to take the guy. So, um, that was one uh, that was literally just a theory that I had come up with. And then all that stuff came out. And like I said, nobody listening to this is going to believe that it was just a theory that I came up with, uh, when, you know, uh, Ian Rappaport was talking about it at, you know, talk reporting that it, you know, kind of happened that way as I was, uh, as I was theorizing on the air last night. Well, now well the, the only real truth is Blystone's theory about Ballard having worked for the Bears and has a forever deep-seated hatred of the Packers. Yeah. And it just could be. I mean, just yeah. gaslighted the Packers hardcore. And and based on how the Packers drafted the rest of today, I don't know that his animosity was really necessary because it seems like they were actually set out to do some damage to the franchise themselves. So, so I'm not sure we were necessary, but I can validate that you know, it was pretty comical to hear uh, us get the breaking update from was it Schefter that or, or Rappaport that it was Rap that, was Rappaport. The update that, we, that we heard in the middle of recording uh, that kind of vindicated Shepard's theory. Um, but unfortunately, you won't get to hear that, and so you'll just have to take our word for it. And you know, it depends on how reliable you think we are. <laughs> so let's are let's talk about this real quick. There was definite smoke to that, and then today the lo a lot of it had been knocked down. But last night, it was as relevant as anything, just so you guys all know out there. Two days now, if you listen to this tomorrow morning, <laughs> two days after the fact, it was relevant then. I promise. It really Definitely. was. <laughs> I mean, this is a totally like Reddit R that happened, <laughs> you know, uh, situation, and we'll probably right, end up right. there. But I, I totally believe it, it happened. Trust us. <laughs> so what do you guys think? Okay, so looking back, now that we've had day two under the books as, are in the books as well, is there anything from day one in terms of picks that have kind of ballooned in, in terms of like a favorite pick that's gotten even more that you have that you like even more now or a pick in the first round that you like even less? Anything like that out there, Blystone? Well, I mean, I, I would say my favorite, Favorite, I mean, my favorite pick was my favorite player from day one. That was uh, the Raiders taking Henry Ruggs. I'm not sure he's the best fit for that team, uh, but they went all in on receiver, mm -hmm. and I, I really liked that pick. What I actually thought would be uh, that best first-round pick, and I'm going through, I don't have all, I've got all the day two picks in front of me, but I don't have all those picks uh, that I can see really easily. I remember, um, you know, the Cowboys taking, uh, lamb at 17 and th i mean he was 
possibly the best receiver on many Ooh. people's boards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I fell in love with Henry Ruggs, but it's not a, a stretch to say that you know CD Lamb was an excellent prospect, and and you only get to screw a division rival, but you get to add to a, an already existing strength. And if you're a Cowboys fan, you got to be pretty excited about the receiver core that you're going to be fielding because they're going to look pretty incredible. And you got to stick it to the to the Eagles, who were in aid of a talented receiver and were like I think four picks later, uh, definitely thinking they might have a shot at CeeDee Lamb. Mm-hmm. How about you, Shepard? So, really, the the only pick that really stands out to me from the first round that hurts, uh, it's still Isaiah Wilson. We talked about this again last night, but Isaiah Wilson going to the Titans, my favorite tackle in the class. Just love the way the guy plays. Um, I could have been, I would have been happy with him, obviously as a Colt, but going anywhere other than a team in the AFC South. Um, but you know, he he goes to the Titans, so I get to I get to watch him destroy whoever we put over there. You know, on on the right side of the line. Uh, you know, for, for two games a year. So it, it should be a lot of fun for me. How about you, Jim? Is there anything that you like more or less today after seeing the day two stuff come off the board? No, not really. Um, you know, the, the thing that I think in talking about this last night that stood out to me was that, you know, like Ken Law was still there mm-hmm. at 13, you know, in that what if scenario, if the Colts had still been there at 13, what they could have had. But, you know, there was still so much talent on the board by that point or, you know, the start of today anyway and the, with the move the Colts made it showed that they thought the same thing too that um you know it it was like I said it was it was a nice little what if thought of you know what could have been but nothing that stood out to me too much or really has changed much in the next day or so for me yeah uh kind of the same for me not a whole lot's changed for me going into the second round the corner and uh, and wide receiver were a couple areas that I thought we still had a real good chance in nabbing an excellent player at either position. Those were the two positions that I was hoping that the Colts would kind of focus on with their first couple picks had they picked there. Uh, but that's not really what happened. So let's jump right into the second round, fellas, and kind of discuss what happened. The Colts do stand pat at 34 and draft Michael Pittman, wide receiver out of USC, what do we think about this? Because, I, I mean, I like the pick. Big body guy. He's not known for his speed necessarily. He's sure-handed. The peop- That's what the Colts legitimately needed, especially with Funchess being gone now. I think that he at least is kind of the, 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 the mold that the Colts want for that role. Yeah, I really liked that pick, actually. 4-5-2-40, so he's not slow necessarily, but he's not a burner. Um, but really what stood out to me is, you know, six, four, uh, long arms, big guy. Um, it, this is the kind of guy that Philip rivers was throwing balls to in, in, you know, Mike Williams, mm-hmm. uh, for, for the chargers yeah, and the kind of guy that the Colts haven't had in a long time. And I see that immediately and I'm thinking, man, Philip rivers is going to eat this up. And, I mean, he was, you know, he was double covered consistently in college, uh, and, and dealt with that effectively. And um, that's not a possibility uh, against the Colts. Um, you, you're not you're not going to double cover Michael Pittman because if you do, Ty Hilton's going to eat you alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, you're going to have to make a tough call where you decide: uh, Do we let this big target go up that Phil Rivers is going to absolutely have no problem throwing it up and letting him go get it, uh, or do you? You know, leave T.Y. Hilton in single coverage and make your defensive backs hate you uh, because he's going to go 
just wild. So I, I thought it was a great pick, both for scheme fit. I like the player. Um, Shepard, I, I saw that you shared uh, a quote, uh, and I, I'm mm-hmm. sure you may have it on hand, but um, that I thought was really, you know, spoke to specifically what I'm sure Chris Ballard liked about Pittman in addition to just the obvious, you know, size and uh, scheme fit. Yeah, I've actually, I've got that quote here. I was going to, that was one of the things I was going to talk about tonight, just when we brought up Pittman. Um, But so Pittman played for USC. He was a team captain um, in which, I mean, shocker, team captain Chris Ballard drafted him. Um, But anyway, he was asked about whether or not he was going to play in USC's bowl game. It wasn't a major bowl. Uh, He was obviously um, on his way out going to the draft, and a lot of guys choose not to play in those bowl games. Uh, And so he was asked if he was going to to be playing. And his response is a direct quote I saw today. Zach Kiefer posted this, so I'll give him credit. Uh, It's not from... I don't think it's from his work, but he posted it, and that's what I'm seeing it from. Uh, but his quote was to his response to the, the question was, "I am a captain of this team, and you don't get to pick and choose when you want to lead or not. Uh, you have to lead constantly. You can't just quit because you have an opportunity coming up. I have to finish what I started with my guys, and that's something I look forward to. If I'm if uh, ooh, excuse me, I'm not afraid to play in that game. I know people are going to talk about what ifs, what if that, but I'm not really worried about that. When I read that, that sounded like the most Chris Ballard quote I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Uh, I've never, <clears throat> excuse me, I've never knocked a guy for not playing in a bowl game, uh, and I, I don't think that I will. Um, because you know it is one of those things where if it's a meaningless bowl, you're playing in the you know the tri-state car care. Twix 3000 ball, whatever it is, you know, I get not wanting to play in that game because it's meaningless. And if you get hurt, it would really be terrible to go from, you know, a second round pick to a fifth round pick because who knows if your Achilles is ever going to recover. So, you know, it's just, it's one of those things. I'm not going to knock a guy, but to have that mindset, um, it's, it is an impressive mindset and it's something that, um, I think is probably a big reason other than the fact that he is a perfect fit physically and, and just with what he can do on a football field. I think mentally the person, uh, if this is who he is all the time and I have no reason to believe that it's not, uh, the pick just makes too much sense. Uh, it's a Chris Ballard pick. I think he'll fit the locker room, uh, dynamic that they want. Um, he's a great player and, and, uh, he fits it. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. Jim, you have any thoughts on this guy? What You, you said you liked him. Why did you like him? Um, I mean, for all the reasons basically just outlined, um, you know, how long has it been since we've had, a you know, at least a big possession guy? Like, it's just not something that's worked out for us uh, in general outside of, you know, something like the tight end position like we had, you know, uh, with uh, Ebron for one season. And... It's nice to have that, and as we've seen with Philip Rivers and mentioned in the past, like he's he's big on throwing those balls up. You know, that can get that that fifty fifty contested catch, and I'm excited to see it. I love our speedy guys, and it's going to be nice to see someone take the the pressure off Ty. Yeah, I'm I'm all in. Mm-hmm. I think he fits in a lot of ways that Chris outlined. I mean, he fits physically. He he's got you know enough and in, in the right places where the Colts can are going to use, be able to use him, uh, effectively. And I think he's going to, I think he's going to be, you know, if he, if he is what the Colts think he is in terms of talent. Okay. Obviously we know he fits a role physically, his stature, but if he's on par 
coming into camp or whenever the Colts resume, uh, you know, whatever, or the NFL, I guess, resumes uh, practices and stuff heading into the season, if Michael Pittman's on par with what he can do on the football field, then I would expect him to get a heavy dose uh, of targets, depending on if he doesn't, then I think the Colts are just using their tight ends uh, way too much or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, well, so. and you could see Paris Campbell snatch some of those too, because he may end up being the odd man out that you can't, you got to double the big guy. You got to keep an eye on TY. Maybe Paris Campbell's the guy who ends up feasting on those crossers and underneath routes. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty okay too. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Anything we can get him in space is great. You know, Pittman may be mm-hmm. that guy who's um, running some of the short hook routes or he's, you know, working some of the middle of the field just on uh, zone beaters as opposed to man beaters, you know what I mean? Just to get some some easy yardage here and there. Um, yep. So, uh, you know, the next – Higgins was the first wide receiver off the board. I was a little surprised uh, of the way that the wide receivers came off the board after uh, Higgins and Pittman. And the guy that I expected to follow suit pretty much right after the Colts picked was Mims. Mims ended up didn't p- getting picked at 59th overall by the Jets. And that mm-hmm. uh, that was a bit of a surprise for me. I mean, because we saw, what, Chenault come off. They talked about either small hands or small arms for him. I think it's short S- arms. <clears throat> short arms, yeah. And yeah, then short arms. Hamler, Claypool. I think Claypool's pretty decent. Uh, I think Hamler's pretty decent, too. I just expected Mims to go before uh, the three of those guys. So I, I think that the Colts got what and, they want. And, and Van Jefferson went at twenty uh went to the Rams a couple picks before Mims as well. Oh, that's right, that's right. Okay. So I think but I think the Colts had a very defined uh you know, a very defined picture of what they wanted in the wide receiver that they were gonna pick here. So um right. got all that. Well, the Colts did trade from 44, but not to where we thought they were gonna do. After they picked at 34, is there anybody in this uh, on this podcast right now, that thought the Colts would go up instead of back. Nope. No, what? Not not on day two. I thought there was a chance to trade into day one, but no, not on day two. I didn't think they were coming up at all. Right. It, it surprised the hell out yeah. of me. And then the so, Colts. Go ahead. I'll be honest. I thought I thought there might be a chance w- that they might move up when some of these guys started to slide, um, but I did not think they were going to come up and take the person that they took or the oh. position that they took. Okay, so let's um, do this before we discuss who we talked or who we actually picked. Who, what position or player would you have expected that they were coming up for, Chris? Well, I mean, at that point, I believe that we had, uh, let's see, some of the guys who were still on the board at that point. I believe you had, well, you had a couple a couple receivers. I mean, you had a couple... I mean, you had Grant Delpit and Antoine Winfield were on the board. KJ Hamler was on the board. Um, you know, you had Jalen Johnson was on the board. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you had Cole Kmet. I didn't think they were probably going to go tight end, but he, he was on the board still if, as a potential guy there. Uh, Trevon Diggs, uh, I believe you had, and he didn't go till quite a bit later. Christian Fulton was on the board. Uh, Jeremy Chen was on the board. Any of those guys would have been guys I would have thought. Uh, Lucas Yang, and he didn't go till way later. But um, uh, was there any other offensive linemen that were? I, every, I would thought, every day I two mean, offensive linemen. I mean, pretty much, yeah. pretty much all of these guys that I thought, okay, well, they didn't get picked because you got, you know, the Lions go DeAndre Swift, you got Xavier McKinney, Kyle Duggar, 
uh, Gross Matos and Robert Hunt. And none of those guys, Gross Matos maybe was a guy I thought the Colts might look at. None of the rest of them that I think were really guys the Colts would go after. The Texans take Ross Blacklock, which was a guy I thought maybe could be somebody the Colts could Mm -hmm. be interested in. Um, But everybody else that I thought the Colts might look at early was still around. And so I wasn't surprised that they were moving up. I thought, okay, they really like one of those guys and they're going to come up and get them. And then they didn't. All right. (laughs) Jim, did you have anybody in mind for, for the Colts, who the Colts might be coming up to get? Not not a, not a a player in particular, but a a position like I was, and I've said this before, like I was really looking for uh, an offensive tackle in, Mm. in this round. Because uh, I, I have screamed that, you know, for weeks on this podcast that I not only do we need to start putting somebody in place behind Costanzo, but I want more depth on the line. Mm-hmm. At least, you know, quality depth on the line okay. in general. It, it's still pretty thin. So that that's where I was hoping it would go. And, you know, th- there were some pretty quality guys still left in that position. And I think possibly still are. Um so uh, hopefully maybe that happens, but I was really hoping it would be taken today at some point. How about you, Shepard? Uh, so when they made the trade, when I saw them coming up, um, I think that we had, I think there were one or two picks uh, to go before the Colts drafted. I saw him come up and I started looking at who was on the board and I kind of thought, man, Chris Ballard's going to double up on receivers. He's going to go with Denzel Mims here. Uh, and turns out, you know, that thought was way wrong. Um, <laughs> You know, I thought, well, maybe there's a corner he likes. Uh, I thought maybe maybe they're going to go um, with Josh Jones tackle again. He ended up going away later. I think there's some stuff with Josh Jones that we don't know about um, because he fell way too far. Um, so, you know, I, I never in a million years would I have thought that this guy got drafted by the Colts, but he did. Um, and it was surprising. But, yeah, no, I, I thought that they were going to go in one of a lot of other ways and um, – you know, uh, <laughs> the only thing that would have surprised me more probably is if he would have taken a kicker. Uh, and <laughs> thank God he didn't do that. So right. So when when I'm watching the Texans drafting and I see that they pick a defensive tackle, I'm like, okay, Colts are coming up. Mm-hmm. Jaguars are going to be picking before them. Well, the Colts they move up to take the Brown spot, and they're getting bookend here by uh, the Texans and Jaguars. They moved up in front of the Jaguars. My mm-hmm. only thought was that the Colts wanted to beat them to the next corner because of the Jaguars mm-hmm. losing basically any decent secondary. Uh, I thought and was 100% convinced it was Trayvon Diggs. I was mm-hmm. 100% convinced it was Trayvon Diggs. And it, I was just like, oh, shit. So let's talk about reaction to the Colts pick of Jonathan Taylor running back out of Wisconsin. Um, I'm not a fan. And I don't mean necessarily of his ceiling or his potential, but there's some very real issues with with this guy coming in and not okay. So you 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 give up a draft pick, an additional draft pick. I think it was 160 that they gave up, uh, 160 something. They give they move up only four spots. They, I'm sorry, three spots. <clears throat> They go for a running back. That I mean, these are all things that just to me they don't make sense. They're not Chris Ballard uh, on, on paper, okay? Um, 
And to get a running back, you've got Marlon Mack. You've got a nice little backfield right now in Indianapolis. If you want to get a running back, that's fine. That's fine. I just can't imagine trading away an additional pick to go get a guy who has fumbling issues, has a lot of mileage on his tires, and you're trading up to go get him. You're moving up to go get a running back in the top near the top of the second round. I'm not a fan of this. I, I understand that Jonathan Taylor has some upside. I also understand that if the Colts are going to be this two-headed monster rushing attack, I'm going to be severely pissed off at this team in 2020. And maybe this is just the ne- – I hate being negative about this, but I can't help it. I absolutely was disgusted when I saw it was a running back. Very truthful. Anybody else well, have I mean, I mean, any I, uh, positive to this? Because I just don't find it. Yeah, I wasn't no, I, thrilled. I'm, I'm kind of there with you. Like I've settled on it a little bit more, but I, I was kind of there immediately. That was my first reaction was at least other than shock and confusion. Um, <laughs> then I was like, well, I don't know if I like this guy that much. And, and I have come down on it a bit after chatting with some people. But yeah, I was kind of there with you for a bit. And I believe this is so, when uh, Roger Goodell started, eat, you know, taking his edibles and then started shaking them around <laughs> and starts gently sliding into his easy chair. Mm-hmm. It, so it, when I mean, obviously, when the the pick came came across, I mean, I was I was surprised. I was a little confused. I was like, we just we took Jonathan Taylor. Okay, it, it was it just was totally unexpected. Um, but over the next five minutes, I started thinking about it more. Uh, the only way that Chris Ballard, number one, they traded up to get him. So this is the guy they had targeted. Mm-hmm. Number two, they didn't waste any time at all getting the pick in. As soon as they were on the clock, the pick was already in. Yep. Um, this guy was <laughs> definitely the guy. They believe that he's special. Um, if Chris Ballard believes a guy's special, uh, I'm going to trust him, number one. Number two, I understand value. I I, <laughs> I will stand on a table in in yell and scream about value of running backs, especially in, in the first round. You don't take a running back in the first round. You avoid them at all costs. I think that it, it's in some special circumstances, it could be okay, um, but it, it's pretty rare. Uh, with the Colts, you look at the, the Colts roster, and we can argue that they need another wide receiver. They need another corner. They need depth. Really, the, the corner, it's depth. Uh, you know, they Could they use a starter? Sure. Um, but maybe they didn't feel like there was anybody there in the second round that was capable of filling that role. I don't know. Um, corner safety, which they ended up getting, um, you know, there, there's a lot of depth positions they need to fill, but if they feel like Jonathan Taylor is a special player who can step in on day one and provide an impact, I don't think that there's, that there was another player on the board that provides the day one impact that a guy like Jonathan Taylor provides. He's he's five foot ten, two hundred and twenty six pounds. He runs a, a four three nine forty, and the guy put up six thousand yards in college. I understand he's got a lot of high miles, but one thing about this that I love is that this pretty much guarantees they're not paying Marlon Mack on a, a second deal. And if they if they do resign Marlon Mack, he has no leverage, so he's mm-hmm. not going to get paid big money, even if he is super productive. So the fact that the Colts are are 
essentially backfilling or just filling the starting running back position with a player who, frankly, has a potential to be a much better pro than Marlon Mack, who is good. He's just not as good as Jonathan Taylor could be. Um, and they're they're ensuring that they don't have to, they're, they're not in a position of having to find a starting running back or pay Marlon Mack way too much money for the the downside of his career. So you know, I, I, I at first the pick confused me, um, but the fact of the matter is Jonathan Taylor is he's a playmaker, uh, and you you bring him in you bring him into an offense that really needed playmakers last year and and you know i'm in favor of it i I think that they added a two high impact offensive players right at the beginning of the second round and and the you know they did have to trade up well they i don't know that they had to trade up but they felt like they had to trade up to get them they gave up a late round pick and i'm sure we'll talk about that later but um you know that concern went out the door with what they did later for me so Mm -hmm, right um yeah you know it's just not a well, I, I I like the pick of Taylor. Looking back at it, I, I you know value you can argue value, but you know I like it overall. And value really wasn't my biggest issue, although it played a part. You know what I mean? Just the the trading up of a pick uh, just kind of blew me away. To be honest with you, that was my biggest sure. thing there. And then seeing the negatives to him. Granted, he's got good size. He's got really good speed for his size, and he is a playmaker. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm totally on board mm-hmm. with all that. I just feel like we have to look. At history, and there is a, no better place to look than the fourth round running back we have starting in our backfield currently, who is also a playmaker. Um, and I just think with a well-rounded backfield, that's great. I love it. I do love the implications that that takes away from you know Marlon Mack ultimately getting leverage uh, going forward. But you know, I don't know. I, I'm just I'm very out on it as a as a pick right now. I'm I'm okay with it. Adding talent is adding talent. There's nothing wrong with that part of it. Um, I just thought, man, that's the that was literally the least of anybody's worries. I think watching the draft, who were Colts fans at running back, and that's what they yeah. went with. And they also gave up another pick to do it. That real that all that kind of confused me. So, Blystone, what are your thoughts on it, brother? Well, let me give some context because I Stephen Holder has tweeted out some uh, some of the conference call stuff, and so he he gave a little context to this. Uh, so he says uh, Ballard said Colts ha- have uh, kept having discussions about Taylor, and finally Ursay piped up and said, "You've been talking about this guy all night. Why don't you go get him?" Oh, shit. Um, so it sounds to me like he was hearing them, and sometimes you need that person in the room. I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of in the same camp. I, I saw it. I don't like the pick of running back uh, in the second round particularly, um, but I do acknowledge that the Colts don't have any what I would call gaping neat once they once they take Pittman and I know that we know that they're higher on their receiver core than we are. Um, once they take Pittman, they don't really have a glaring weakness um they they have needs at at corner but i also think they're not going to address them as strongly as we maybe would um Mm. i think that they need depth at corner but i think they probably feel okay about their starters and they're going to bolster positions and they've obviously got lots of undrafted free agents they'll sign and try to uh churn through the roster just like they do but I think the biggest issue here, and I agree with you, Matt. My biggest issue was was the coming up for the for the pick. Um, if they yeah, had taken right. a run, if they had taken a running back um, where they were at forty four, I would not have loved it, but I wouldn't have been right. real annoyed by giving up the draft capital for for a player like that. But on the flip side, 
if you have a player rated really highly, if you're if you're high on them, if you think they fit in your system really well and they make you better, and I think it's undeniable that he has the potential to make them a better offense, then you go get that guy. And I, so I don't, I'm not. I don't know. I'm, I'm still torn on it. I'm wrestling with it a little bit. I'm not as familiar with him as I'd like to be. Um, what I've seen of him is, is very positive, and I feel like he has potential to be a really talented back. And, you know, the the things that we, we heard in the Slack channel, people talking about, well, in at Wisconsin, you know, backs benefit from the fact that the blocking is really good and favorable. Uh, well, guess what? You're going to the right system, buddy, because yeah. the blocking is going to be pretty favorable. Uh, you've got you know, a great offensive line. You've got Roosevelt Nix, who's been brought in to be the lead blocker, and there's going to be some gaping holes for you to run through, and this guy's got mm. the speed to, to capitalize on that. So in that regard, I think there is something to be said for that. And Marlon Mack, this is not, you know, also something to note. Marlon Mack's been hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, he's been tough. Mm-hmm. He's been tough as nail. I mean, he played through mm-hmm. a, a torn labrum his entire rookie season. Um, he came back in two games from a broken hand last season and played great. Yeah. Didn't you know, didn't cough up the ball because of that or anything. So he's not just lose out on his spot necessarily, but also um, you have some leverage now where you can say, you know what, we've got a pretty good backfield and we like some of the guys we've got. Jonathan Williams is back there. Um, We've got some guys. If we wanted to, to move Marlon Mack to somewhere, if we wanted to trade him to a team that needs a running back, we could do that and it wouldn't kill us. Um, If we want to keep him there and have, have, good you know like fresh backs frank reich likes to do that we could do that too um my concern is more his lack of usage in the passing game and i think you get in trouble in the current game where uh you don't have guys who are versatile in terms of pass protection in terms of being a pass catching back um he just didn't do a lot of that so we don't really know what that looks like for him Mm-hmm. But uh, the fumbles and the lack of pass pro are issues, but also, you know, having Tom Rathman as the Colts running back coach, uh, he'll get those things sorted out. And so I think you have a player who could develop and be a really, really good part of the offense. If you kind of put away the uh, what it cost situation and just look at it from the is the offense better than they were at the start of the day, I think the answer is definitively yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little frustrating. I think that there were some things that maybe they could done but also i i'm at the i'm at this point that you know ballard has earned a little bit of benefit of the doubt to me so mm-hmm. uh i'm i'm not thrilled with it but i'm i'm gonna try to push past it and just enjoy the fact that we now definitely don't have to pay marlon mack uh which you should not ever do and um <laughs> and we get to watch you know uh, a running back who should be pretty talented and continue to run but i'm like you matt if it if this becomes we're going to run the ball on every down uh, that's going to be a problem. I just don't know that that's going to be the mentality because they talked all off season about how they wanted to improve in the passing game. So right, and that's, that yeah. was kind of so, my thought. I was like, man, if they were going to do this, what the hell was the point in going out and spending twenty million on Philip Rivers? It, well, I mean, I, I think that I I don't think that they're obviously going to ignore all analytics and just you know start running the ball. <clears throat> I think that this was more long term and more nuanced than that. Uh, I mean, really, when when you break it down. Just a couple more points on Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so we we were all sitting around and we're all talking about all the different positions we thought that that the Colts might go. We were talking about depth at corner. We we wanted a depth corner. We wanted a depth tackle. Uh, we thought that you know maybe a depth safety. Um, all, we're talking about depth and Jonathan Taylor, a guy who I think uh, most uh, most 
experts believe can be a special talented playmaker. We're talking about adding depth over adding a special playmaker for an offense that had no playmakers last year. I mean, T.Y. Hilton was hurt, you know, so that's one thing. The, the second point that I want to talk about with Jonathan Taylor is the fact, it, actually, it's that fact. Um, we talked about how much wear and tear he's got. It, yeah, he, he has a lot of carries. He had a lot of carries at Wisconsin. They, <laughs> they rode him hard and put him up wet. With that said, the guy has never even been nicked up. Um, mm. he's never, he's never been hurt. He's always been healthy, even with a, a huge workload at 19 years old, a true freshman. He started, he started 13 out of 14 games. Uh, and he, he didn't have so much as a, a sprained wrist. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, the guy, uh, uh, the guy's a, a stud that way. So, you know, and Oh, one more thing. I just want to get it out there. So I, when we picked him, I hadn't done any work on running backs because, there's no way we're taking a running back in the second <laughs> round, right? Uh, so I, I went through and I started started looking this guy up a little bit. Um, Jesse Fritsch, uh, if you guys don't follow him on Twitter, you should. He's a good follow. Uh, he's got some interesting stuff. But anyway, he, he these are his notes. Uh, visited Harvard three times during his recruitment and wanted to study astrophysics. Plans to attend Harvard in the future and earn his master's degree. Left high school with college credits and was a member of a school's international bachelorette program. Extremely intelligent, mature, polished, handles the media like a professional. Teammates and coaches note that he's a special person. So, you know, just from as far as who he is, again, it's another one of those things. Sure seems like he fits. He's a playmaker, um, you know. Jonathan Taylor sounds like a special person. I understand all the concerns. I understand the fact that we, we gave up the pick to go get him. At the end of the day, we were talking about adding depth. I feel like that we got a playmaker instead. Yeah. And well, I, and, and another, one, one thing worth pointing out, and maybe this is total nonsense, but I'm going to throw this out here. They moved directly in front of the Jaguars, who have been offloading mm -hmm. talent and very likely could have been hoping this was their replacement for Leonard Fournette. Exactly. Um, and so I tried to take some solace in that maybe we're sticking it to a division rival um i was joking with some friends in text when this happened they were asking if that's what i thought was going on and i said i sure hope so um but also it could backfire on us because maybe they'll be even worse than they might have been and now they'll get you know to take trevor lawrence and that would not be ideal so mm -hmm. yeah and uh, I, you know, just to like kind of reiterate a point I made last night, I didn't want depth at corner. I wanted a starter, but I, in sure. large part, our conversation was about depth. I totally get that. And I just wanted to thank you guys again for making me look and, uh, make me realize that I am completely unreasonable when it comes to this running back situation. <laughs> I, I appreciate you for that because you all made a lot of good points. Uh, let's move on. Uh, but I, I, I don't think you're completely unreasonable. No. I think your points are your points are totally reasonable and founded. And I just think it, you know, there are lots of ways to look at it. So I, I right. think that you have a, you also made a lot of really compelling points. So I think that I, would, yeah, and, I think I would have made a I mean, much bigger fit uh, of it at, at the time when it happened if I wasn't like scarfing down some buffalo chicken stuff, man. Seriously, I would have I would have been like throwing a little fit, but I was so hungry at the time. <laughs> I, th I think that I think that there are a lot of people that are going to be in the same boat as you, Matt. I, I you know, I just feel like that <laughs> that was such an off the wall pick. There's going to be a lot of people that are not in favor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and look, I, I'm. It wasn't that I didn't agree that he makes the offense better. 
to me it was just right. it right. was kind of man that's a lot to give up that's that's awful i think that they were giving him a lot of like you said they had to have believed he's you know for lack of better words that he's the shit because if they didn't you don't move up just three spots to go get a guy. Right. And when you've got, yeah. when you still got guys uh, like Cam Akers, like J.K. Dobbins, still on the board, you figure you look at them right. and say, if we really want a running back, we got three guys. There's three picks. They're not picking three running backs in a row right here. So, I mean, that was kind of my brain when it they, came yeah, to Yeah, they it. didn't want a running back. They wanted yes, this running back. Correct. They wanted this guy. And, yeah. and that, that was. Part of what you know made me settle down about this a bit for you know eventually was that um, clearly in and once again I'm I'm an idiot and Chris <laughs> Ballard is not so uh, especially when it comes to football so you know I I have to trust him in, in some way shape or form that you know this is clearly the guy that they wanted and may you know, clearly they also have they're more privy to information than I am of who potentially was interested in this guy and knew they had to make the move to get their guy. Yeah. And, and then of course with the subsequent moves that we'll talk about here shortly, it's kind of a moot point. Yeah, you're right. It is what it is. The Colts have what they have now. And you know, the Mm -hmm. second, uh, the second pick did end up very close to where it was originally uh, put for the Colts, but you know, they just did something a little, a uh, little, you know, a little bit that no, none of us really uh, expected him to do. So uh, we're sitting here a little late in the beginning of the, the podcast, but we're going to take a quick break, folks. Come back and join us for the rest of the conversation about day two of the NFL draft. Most of the time we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. All right, guys, we're back. So after the Colts pick, we have a ton of talent come off the board, uh, it, virtually everywhere. So in the back end of the second ha- uh, the second round, excuse me, 
Who was your favorite pick after the Colts picked uh, Jonathan Taylor and why? Uh, let's go with you, Jim, first. Oh, I honestly have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> this is when Jim started taking Jim the animals, too. <laughs> he had started racing Commissioner Goodell to see. Oh, yeah. How- <laughs> it's pretty much this. I was just focused on Goodell at that point. Um, yeah, honestly, I, and I don't know if you know, Matt, like I've just been unfortunately so unplugged with this draft this year uh, <laughs> that I've just been kind of winging it best I can when I can get information. So, yeah, I'm not the best guy to ask. Oh, well, I was hoping that we were going to have Goodell do a little more of the with the 52nd <laughs> pick of the 2017 uh, draft. I mean, the 2020, the 2014. You could just hear him talking to himself the, throughout the entire time, and I was like, this dude is um, – He's it enjoying was being here last night when he was trying to say that Vegas was going to have the 2022 draft. Did he say 2020? He did. I'm yeah. pretty sure. And then when he read, he was reading the card. He's like, with the next pick in the 20, uh, and he realized it. Yeah. When he said 2020, yep. when he was reading the card, I'm like, oh, yeah, he just realized he messed up. Yeah. And it even uh, messed up. Better. It even screwed up Trey Wingo because he didn't know what to say. He knew <laughs> what he meant to say. And he just said, mm-hmm. in a couple years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I noticed that. And yeah. Vegas gets the draft in a couple years. Congratulations, guys. You know, when, I thought, thought that was Actually, great. yeah. My, my favorite thing post the Colts picking was Trey Wingo just taking swings <laughs> at, um, at Goodell as he slowly melted into his chair. Um <laughs> Pick after pick, and like his eyes started drooping too. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it said in Slack at one point, it's like oh, he's definitely on peyote. Yeah, uh, yeah. he's just he's just relaxed <laughs> in. He's on he's on a spiritual journey right now. Officially, uh, <laughs> the leg came up. Um, it was, and weird. I don't think he clearly couldn't hear Trey. He yeah. couldn't hear what was going on. So Trey's just swinging, just yeah. just taking swings out of every chance he could get. It was cracking me up because on that one where he comes back and it's like, oh. Damn, Goodell was just on on TV thirty seconds ago. What did he do between then and now? It was like he took a nap, and then they woke <laughs> him up and just threw the card at him and said, "Here, read this." And he's like, oh. "And everybody, you look at him. He's all cockeyed in the chair and everything, kind of leaning in." Somebody <laughs> just brings in some smelling salts, wakes <laughs> up, and he's like, "Oh!" And they put a card in his hands and they turn the camera on. What pick is it? <laughs> what? That was what year is it? <laughs> yeah. What, what what draft is this again? <laughs> Are we in Vegas? No, that's two years. Oh, two years man. from now, a couple of years, sir. There was some there was some really good picks I thought throughout the back end. Shepard, what did you what did you think about the the rest of the second round? So I mean, if we're talking second round, actually a pick that I really like just based on potential um, because he didn't really play much in college is Willie Gay Jr. going to the Chiefs. Um, the Chiefs needed to get more athletic in a huge way. Uh, Willie Gay ran a 4.4640 at 245 pounds. Um, so, you know, he's a guy that I think fits. Uh, like I said, he didn't play much. He, he got wrapped up in some sort of an academic scandal, and so he was suspended for, for most of the year. Um, but, you know, there were a lot of Memphis, or, or, I'm sorry, Mississippi State guys that, that kind of fell in that same boat. But I just think that the, the need there, coupled with the fact that, um, you know, he fell because he didn't play much, I think that he, that could end up being a, a pick that we all look back on and say, how did Willie Gay Jr. drop there? And how did the reigning Super Bowl champs pick up a guy so good that late in the second round? Mm-hmm. Um, other than, other than that, 
Uh, I just think the Green Bay Packers entire draft has been hilarious so far. So uh, that's all. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> How about you, Blystone? So the pick that I. I mean, it's unsurprising. I had a couple of guys I really liked, and the pick that I really liked was the last one in the second round was Jeremy Chin to the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I both really like that fit, uh, but I also kind of coveted him for the Colts, um, and I would have been fine if they'd taken him at 44. I mean, he's a safety, but he's real similar size and athletic profile to Darius Leonard. Um, the Colts use safety and linebacker kind of interchangeably dependent upon the down their player size are not dramatically different between the two and he's long he's I mean, just stupid athlete and I mean, he's a small school guy so he had a lot in common with the Darius Leonard type I just thought uh, with Matt Eberflus they could use him creatively they could definitely have found a really good role for him um, I think he'll do well with the Panthers um, but but yeah I, I really was a fan of his and um, I, I thought that he would have been if he had lasted until the Colts next pick, I would have been really excited, but, um, but yeah, I, I really, I think that's a good pick for the Panthers and I don't know that he can, I mean, he's not really the same type of role as Luke Keekley, but he could be a type of a replacement in, in a way in terms of uh, production and, and just talent on that uh, and athleticism on that defense for the Panthers. Yeah. I think the main thing that I took away from the second part of the second round was just that mainly because I was tracking it, which I would have had no idea otherwise, aside from the fact you just know some guys that are getting underdrafted uh, or, you know, drafted later and they pushed down the board and all that. But AJ Epinesa was uh, 34th on our big board. He was drafted at 54. Um, some other great values were the Jets picking up Denzel Mims. He, Mims, he was 28th on our board and he was drafted 59th. Uh, the Patriots had a couple of big uh, – got a lot of value in the second round. The Patriots got uh, Josh Ush. Is that how you spell Ush or Uche? Or? I think they said Uche, but uh, okay. at that point, Goodell was definitely fading, so it's hard to know whether he was saying it correctly or not. He was pretty high mm-hmm. on our board too, and the Patriots got him at 60, but they also got Kyle Duggar earlier in the round, uh, and he was 24th on our big board. Uh, all together. So, and then you look at Chin, who was actually in our top twenty on our big board, and he goes in the last pick of the second round. So I was pretty impressed. Uh, and the Titans got some good value out of Christian Fulton at uh, at sixty one. Definitely. So I thought that uh, I thought the second round was really a lot of good value, and the third round was very similar. So uh, let's move on to the uh, third round real quick, boys, because this just became the peel your eyes, you know, use some scotch tape to keep yourself open because they were doing everything they could to make this drag on and drag on. <laughs> I mean, we're sitting here at one o'clock. We could have been here at 1130, uh, starting all of this and it just wasn't going to happen because they were waiting. So stinking long picks were coming in and getting taken immediately and they had to drag it out with all kinds of crap. So, um, Leading in, look, the Colts didn't draft until the 85th pick in this one because of the uh, the actually they were uh, scheduled at the 75th pick. They traded back from the lion or with the Lions, traded back out of the 75th overall down to 85th. Um, that kind of reset what we were talking about earlier. What happened in the second round when the Colts gave up a like the whatever 160th uh, pick 
and they ended up getting one back from the Lions. They traded six-round picks. I believe the Colts got their six-round pick, which moved them up in the sixth round, got an additional pick, and they sent back uh, 10 picks from their original third-round pick Mm -hmm. on this one. So it it kind of leveled back out to what they did, giving up that pick for Jonathan Taylor. Um, So they've got their day three picks are 122nd, 149th, 182nd, and 193rd mm -hmm. overall. So they've got a lot to work with there. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if we end up seeing some more movement there from Ballard. Um, There's just, I just think they've got a lot. They've got a few positions they need to get. And then I think they'll be, they'll be happy because I think they're going to believe that they're going to get a lot of guys in undrafted that are going to be legit possibilities to make rosters, I think. At this point, this this draft seems to be like critically deep for some reason in a lot mm-hmm. of different positions. So um, it's deep. There's a lot of a uh, lot of value coming off the board in the third round. Leading up to this, when it came to the 75th pick, did anybody like get upset because they thought that the Colts were going to miss out on something when they traded with the Lions? No, I got upset because yeah. I wanted them to make their pick so that I could make the graphic and i was <laughs> sitting carefully watching and and i was like man just do this so that i can be done with this come on <laughs> mm-hmm. but it wasn't because of a player it was because i was getting tired and grumpy and yeah so so in the end the colts end up waiting until the 85th pick here to make their selection they don't go back any further they take julian blackman safety out of utah um and it's pretty good value. I mean, he was right around where we had him on the big board, you know, with give or take a dozen, dozen and a half or whatever. So um, does anybody have any strong opinions on him? I thought it was a good pick in terms of uh, his versatility, kind of the things that he can do. They did talk that he had a pretty significant injury with an ACL tear, but he made the transition from cornerback to safety. Apparently the Colts enjoy – what he produced at safety. So it looks like the Colts there are looking to find somebody to pair with Malik Hooker and or be a successor to possibly. So what are your guys' thoughts on this? So I graded the safety class and I believe I have, so I've got his, uh, I've got his um, thing pulled up here. He was my, my fifth ranked safety. Um, and I had him as a third rounder. Um, but I didn't really weigh his injury into that, uh, and maybe that's unintelligent of me. But at this point, with with ACLs, it seems like if you give them time, there's generally a pretty good recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I didn't weight that too heavily and kind of ranked him where I would have just based on his play. Uh, but the thing that, and this is this is a comp that'll get me in trouble. I'm bad at comps, but I can just tell you the feeling that I had when I was watching him is I felt like I was watching Kenny Moore. Um, hmm. This is an aggressive, instinctive guy who is not afraid to come up and make hits. Uh, he reacts and diagnoses plays really quickly, and and he's and he comes downhill fast against the run. And so that was all stuff that reminded me of Kenny. Uh, but the best part about him is he's a really solid tackler. And at the safety position, that wins a lot of points with me. Um, I can't stand safeties that cannot make tackles or that use poor form or that arm tackle and end up getting shrugged off by good running backs. Uh, because if they're doing that in college, they might get away with it, but they're not going to get away with it at the NFL level. Um, so I really like him. I, I, I wouldn't have said he was one of my, um, 
you know, top hopes for the Colts. Obviously, I would have liked somebody like Jeremy Chin, who's a little bit bigger, a little bit more athletic. Uh, but this is a guy who can play at the slot. He can play, and they they liked to run a lot of three and four safety looks. Uh, Matty Rufus uses a lot of safeties, and so um, I think he's going to get himself on the field because he has that versatility of playing corner and then rotating over and playing safety. And uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what we should expect for their usage for him, but I don't think that you should think you should expect him to just be a bench guy. I think he's going to get in on the field, uh, even if it's limited to give him some time. And I don't know. I, I have good expectations for him. He's listed at six foot 187 pounds, but when he hit, but his playing weight, that was, I think his combine weigh in weight, his playing weight was closer to 200 pounds. So I assume that his, his weight is way down. Because uh, he put on a bunch of weight to, to move to safety, and then when he tore his ACL, I assume that's that's sort of sidelined a lot of his weight gain. So I would guess he'll play a little bigger. One hundred and eighty-seven. What? Yeah, yeah. That was his. That was his combine weight. Yeah. Uh, but if you look back at his playing weight when he was playing at safety uh, earlier in the year, he was he was listed at around two hundred five. So I don't know how honest wow. that is. Okay. Uh, but you know, one of the things, one of the, my biggest knocks for him was strength, um, just being a smaller guy, um, that he's going to need to work on. But if he can carry two Oh five, I mean, if that's a weight that he can carry around, I, that, that takes a lot of it out. And then just, then there's just the fact that he's kind of raw at the position and he'll need to develop because he's moved to safety. So I don't know. I'm, I'm a fan. I think, especially given that the Colts don't have a gaping need uh, that he's going to fill, uh, he has a chance to develop and he has a lot of the traits that Chris Ballard definitely likes. So, so you and Elliot did the safeties and you guys had a very similar grade on him in terms of your grade. However, like you said, you had him at your fifth, he had him at his ninth uh, safety but you had him, uh, and I'm only asking this for a comparison to kind of give everybody like a visual of how he plays. Because I think I think most people honestly are familiar with Grant Delpit. Okay, I just think mm-hmm. that they are. So you had Delpit as your second. Okay, well Elliot had Delpit at um, all the way down to eighth, right in front of Justin or Julian Blackman. Excuse me. So where do you put the comparison? to Delpit in terms of playing style? What can Colts fans expect out of him in terms of we knew what we would have been getting if we drafted Grant Delpit, I guess is what I'm getting at. What are we going to get in relation to that with Blackman? So I think the the main difference to me between those guys is that I view Delpit as being more of a box guy, uh, and I think that you could see more of a a free safety. Um, Free safety or, you know, nickel kind of player with – with Blackman than, than you would have seen. I, I know Delpit played, uh, you know, nickel and could, could play and roam a little bit, but I felt like his best fit was, was as a box safety. Uh, he's, he's a little bit, a little bit bigger guy. I mean, he's, he's a little bit more than, I think he's what, two, two ten two fifteen somewhere in that, in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's maybe more developed, but I, I don't know. I, I think, uh, I liked his instinct and everything, but I just, I didn't get that feeling like his tackling jumped out at me. Um, and that's, that's really what sold me honestly on, uh, you know, the, the most in terms of the type of player, uh, that Blackman was, was the tackling, um, for a guy who's a little undersized to be such an aggressive tackler. And I, I think Delpit, you know, he should be at 215 pounds or whatever it was. He should be tackling with 
some authority. And I think that he did that okay. Uh, but I would say in terms of all of the safeties on this list, uh, and I don't know what my what I actually graded uh, in terms of his tackling. Which one? Um, oh, I'm, uh, gotcha. Well, I'm, I'm looking through to see because I think short of Terrell Burgess, who I also really liked, um, you know, he, he was a real solid tackler as well. And I, I liked that, but I felt like he maybe was a little bit uh, less instinctive, less, I, I don't know. He, he was also a good fit that I would have would have liked the Colts to go with, but I, I really liked Blackman in the nickel specifically. And maybe, and that's where I saw a lot of the Kenny Moore comparisons because he was coming downhill on swing passes and things like that and being disruptive. Uh, where Delpit, I guess I saw more as the guy who's coming in for run fits. He's, he had the size to do that and maybe could hold up a little bit better. Um, but that was more the role that I saw him filling. So okay. I think if, if they use him, I don't know if he's the guy who can be um, a deep safety. I, I didn't see a ton of that. Obviously, he he's making that switch, so maybe they didn't want to put him in that position, but he's, he played up a lot in run support and on the outside. Um, uh, Blackman, that is. And so I don't know what his role will be. I wonder if they will do kind of what they have done with Marvell Tell, where they introduce him in a specific kind of situation and let him kind of adjust and see what they get out of him. Also, he's coming back from injury, so they're going to ease him in regardless. And that I think will actually work pretty well. But in terms, of, I mean, for me, he was a very instinctive guy with really solid tackling. And those were the things that uh, that I had highest rated for him in terms of his I had him an eight and eight out of nine in tackling. I really felt strongly that he was, I think, the best tackler that I looked at. Okay, so real quick with like a super sh- quick answer here. If you have Blackman included in one of these tandems, who's the better Colts safety tandem, Willis and Blackman or Blackman and Hooker? Yeah, um, it, it's man, that's a tough one because that's a lot of the same stuff that I like out of Willis. I would tend to say probably I'm... Because you figure if Willis and Blackman are in, Willis or Blackman's got to be the deep safety. Yeah, and honestly, I'm not... I just haven't seen enough to know how well he would do there. Um, I mean, I think think it's possible... I think it's possible that he's the third safety. I think that he he's going to be versatile enough. You bring him on. I know you want the answer of you know which two guys are going to pair well together, but I mean, as a third safety, you bring him on. He can he can probably play you know in the slot, and he can he can do some of those different things. So oh, for you know, sure. I, I think that he could. Yeah, I think he can play well with all three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I've, it frees up to be a bit more creative, like with Willis, because Kari uh, Willis is I thought was pretty fantastic in the run game. Agreed. And, and and adds more versatility to that that position group uh, with you know another sure tackler in there. Well, um, you know I think Hooker and I've said this much times got better having another sure tackler in that group is is key. Mm-hmm. I would tend to say I think that's probably my thought on him is that he fills the Clayton Gathers role a little bit yeah. better uh, because Clayton he wasn't really playing necessarily strictly in the box. Uh, by the end of the season, he was kind of rotating in as that third safety. And I think that's probably the role he'd have early on. And if he develops, I mean, he's he's obviously raw at the position. If he develops uh, and is is better deep, I think he's got, well, unfortunately, we're, we're missing some things in terms of athletic profile um, at that position. But, I mean, he's got, when he was playing corner anyway, and before his injury, he was doing some things that, that I think... Um, I think indicated that he could play as a free safety. Um, 
I, I just need to see more to know whether he could actually start in that role. But at this point, I would say a really good option as a, a third safety to add a solid tackler uh, in sort of in that same vein. And I think Hooker and, and, uh, and Willis both do that well. Uh, and so he's a guy who could, you could, you could fit right in there. And if he needed to come in, uh, he gives you uh, a guy you can count on to come in at nickel. I, honestly, I could even see them if Kenny Moore was hurt and he has been a few times saying, we're going to rotate this guy in at nickel and let him play there. Cause I think he could do that really well as, as well. So uh, I think he gives you a lot of flexibility and that's probably one of the main things the Colts really liked about him. Mm-hmm. And I think it helps uh, obviously just the secondary in general. It's just a positive for the, for the secondary to have a guy that can come up and sniff some runs out or uh, some screen passes or just whatever that helps. And I think that's probably what you I, were thinking when you said you saw Kenny Moore in him. Uh, very well, and I will say he up. is bad news for Quincy Wilson. That's the swan song for Quincy <laughs> Wilson because yeah. that is exactly the role Quincy was filling was kind of this guy who can play both. Yeah. He, yeah. Uh, yeah. Quincy Wilson's probably gone. Uh, so, well guys, I mean, was there anything else that you guys wanted to, uh, to touch on real quick? We're sitting at an hour right now and it's one thirty in the morning. And, uh, I, I just, I think that, uh, we've got, in fact, who, which one of you guys had Chris? I think it was you, uh, Blystone. You said you've got the rest of the picks for the Colts. What are they picking at on day three? <laughs> As of now, yeah, so they've got starting in the so in their fourth round they've they've got pick one twenty two, uh, they've got in the fifth round pick one forty nine, uh, and then they got two sixth round picks one eighty two and one ninety three. Okay, so the Colts have four picks left uh, in, in this uh, twenty twenty draft. As of now, I think we can all expect at least five out of them. I think uh, you know, give or take, maybe you know, or just some a little bit of. Uh, uh, maneuvering or anything like that or something of the sort, I suppose. Uh, Shepard or, or uh, Jim, do you, either of you have anything that you guys wanted to touch on before we call tonight? Uh, just that I think the, the Arizona Cardinals found a starting tackle in the uh, third round with Josh Jones. <laughs> I think, uh, I think I, again, I don't know why he fell so far. Uh, also, it makes me a little sick to my stomach that the Patriots drafted Devin Asiasi. Uh, uh, yeah. he's, a, he's good. He's a really, yeah, he's a really raw. So he's raw. He, he hasn't played much college ball. Um, but just, I mean, from a physical, from just a physical talent standpoint, uh, the Patriots could turn him into something there. Uh, and the Saints, uh, last one, Saints uh, got a good, got a really good value with Adam Troutman uh, at the end of the third round. I think that he's going to go there and um, he could, he could really be special in that <laughs> offense, in that system. Um, really, there was a lot of great value on day three, which is something we don't see every year. This is a this is a pretty cool draft. Uh, it's pretty fun, pretty deep, and and uh, unfortunately, you know, we don't we don't have drafts like this every year. So uh, it's it's been fun so far. Yeah, I see. I didn't like Troutman very much. I, I and I really liked Asiasi. I thought he was impressive. I'm really mm-hmm. honestly, as we get further on here, uh, I think the one thing that surprised me real quick before we head out was that. Dalton Keene was picked by the Patriots at pick 101, and I thought he was absolutely dreadful. I mean, we didn't even have him in our top 15 tight ends, Shepard. Right, right. Yeah. <clears throat> he was, that doesn't surprise me because the Patriots have drafted pretty terribly <laughs> I, they've for had, a while. That's true. They've had a couple of these picks. They also got some good value out of a couple guys. The Anthony Jennings, the edge there out of Alabama. That was kind of an under-radar guy, but we ranked him pretty decent. We had him ranked at 50th on our big board, and they got him at 87. Right. So, I mean, I think they yeah. did pretty good in a couple of different 
avenues, but man, they, they're, they're really, well, and I wasn't speaking specifically about this year, but their last several drafts have been pretty terrible. So I, I don't, well, I mean, they're, I know know it's, they're so, I mean, given that they're the Patriots, it's tough for them to be, you know, they criticism bounces off of them, but I do think they've struggled in draft over the past couple of years oh most definitely they've definitely embraced the uh, unknown guys here in this draft because i'm like i gotta go find this guy <laughs> <clears throat> so i'm interested uh, to know do you guys have any any uh guys you're looking at that hopefully the colts can pick uh early on with that first pick anyway i i just hope that the guys i just hope that the colts are looking at the offensive line i'm not sure who they value higher whether it be interior or tackle at the moment but they need somebody there um, you know, I would love to see a corner. I would really love to see a guy that they think that they've just gotten balls out value off of in the fourth round, uh, as a, for a corner to, to bring in here and possibly get some starting reps, uh, maybe a backup and what for in year one or something like that. Uh, outside of that, no, I don't really, uh, I, I'm just kind of open to whatever that the Colts do after that. I'm still banging that offensive line drum. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Like I, I, we need something there, depth at least. So, so I believe that Bryce Hall is still on the board. Yeah, he is cornerback uh, out of yeah out of Virginia. So that's one. Uh, the Colts draft pretty late in in the fourth round to be able to pick him up, um, just based on what I think most people think about him. If there's something out there in injury or something in his background that we don't know about, that could be another story. Uh, if you're looking at um, if you're looking at offensive line. Jack Driscoll is a guy that uh, he's got some upside to tackle out of Auburn. Um, I thought that, you know, I, I feel like going in the fourth round is probably about right for him. So, um, but otherwise, you know, <laughs> like every draft, the, the deeper you get, the harder it's going to be to find, to find guys. But, you know, uh, Chris Ballard has been pretty good in the fourth round with Marlon Mack, uh, you know, in 2017. And, and uh, then, you know, he went out and got Kari Willis in the fourth round last year. So we'll just have to wait and see, but I think that there's still, there are still some guys out there that can make an impact and, and uh, should be a lot of fun tomorrow. Yep. And then, I'm, I'm going to be watching for Ben Barch because yes, Shepard, you raved yeah. about him at the Senior Bowl and the mm-hmm. Colts. Oh, yeah. like, I, I forgot he was still available. It's good yeah, call. yeah. The, the Colts really like them some Senior Bowl guys, and he's he is a small school guy that uh, I, I think they've got to take a tackle. Uh, and I just think that the reason I think that is because Ballard at the combine spelled it out and said we you've got to take this position and develop it because it's tough to get guys who are good at this spot. And uh, he, he basically underlined, bolded it, that you, you've got to take a tackle and give them some time to develop. Um, and then when you know that your, your starting left tackle has voiced the interest in retiring, how do you ignore that need? Um, and maybe, you know, circling back, not to start complaining again about, uh, about Jonathan Taylor, but maybe that was the thing that irritated me the most is that that seemed like, not a an imminent need, but there was a, there were a lot of options there. Maybe so. I mean, he and he did talk about that there were some some options later, especially if there's not a guy that you have to start right away. They they can take a chance on somebody like Barch who who is coming from a smaller school and has some questions in terms of translating to the the current game. But I'm watching him, um, the Senior Bowl connection, the the developmental side of things. I think that seems like somebody that if he slips and is still around when they're picking that he might be a, a guy that makes sense if there's one guy at uh i'll just go to the only need we haven't talked about and it's not really a need anymore being that they grab burton but 
if the Colts do do something for the future uh, at tight end post-Jack Doyle, uh, I think that personally their best bet to reincarnate him from a guy who's probably got a year uh, before he can hit that is uh, Aquik Boonham. I think that he's probably the closest thing to a Doyle 2.0 in that he's a crisp route runner and he's got more speed than than Doyle and I think he's a pretty good blocker personally so I'm, I'm kind of anxious to see where he goes because he's kind of my unsung favorite even though I mean I didn't rank him at like my top two or three I don't believe tight ends but I'm just really anxious to kind of see where he goes and to what system because I think he's He's insanely athletic for the for his size, so I, I think that's going to be fun to watch. But other than that, I don't really have anybody in particular. Like Bryce Hall was one that I was pretty pretty seriously confused why he hasn't gone in in the first three rounds. So, like you said, there has to be something under the sheets that's going on with him. But um, other than that, guys, I think we're going to close shop for the night. So. Um, thank you guys all for joining me uh, on this one. Uh, uh, my fault for yesterday it wasn't even my show yesterday but i was the one that screwed up the audio so um that was awful and that was my fault well we got you guys uh, a kind of a, a day one and day two recap on here so uh it's not uh, the end of the world but <clears throat> chris jim and chris thank you guys man it was a good time uh it's 1 30 it's bedtime for us so uh Colts fans, we got fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round action tomorrow. Uh, I would, if we know anything about Chris Ballard, we know that uh, there's a good possibility that there's going to be some movement. So uh, keep your eyes open for that. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys all for joining us. And uh, hope you guys have enjoyed the show. Hope you guys are enjoying the draft so far. Make sure you're following everybody on the show. And uh, get to Stampede Blue for all your latest Indianapolis Colts news and notes. And, folks, we'll talk to you guys uh, tomorrow. Are we going to do this tomorrow, guys, at some point? Or are we going to just kind of wait and do this next week and kind of do a complete recap? I'm in for whatever. Yeah. All right. We'll well, do I'm both. Good. Yeah. I've resigned myself to sleep deprivation <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Perfect. All right, guys. Hey, uh, we will talk to you guys next time right here on the Colts cast. Stampede Blue.